Welcome, Multiply Church. We're so glad that you signed on to join us for worship today. Uh, if this is your first time, maybe somebody shared a link with you. We're going to pop up a QR code. Just scan that. It'll give you a form to fill out. And if you just fill that out, we'll get back in touch with you. We just love to get to know you more. Uh, but for now, just sit back, enjoy the time with your family, and let's enjoy worship today.
Guys, I miss seeing your faces this week, but I still have the opportunity to lead us in our tithes and offerings today. And what I was thinking about is coming into the new year, a lot of people, they're, they're going through some form of a fast, or maybe you're doing 21 days of prayer through the Multiply Family of Churches app. Um, but really what that is, is we're just saying we're going to start the year off focused on God, and we're going to carry that into the rest of our year. And truthfully, I feel like that's a great representation of how we should live our daily life. And when you look at the tithe and offering, that's what the tithe represents. We're saying the first 10% that we receive, we're going to return back to the guy who gave it to us. And we just trust that with the 90%, uh, it's going to be blessed. And so as you prepare to give today, there's three ways you can give. The first way is through the Multiply Family of Churches app. Second is you can give online at multiply.church slash give. And make sure you select the Lake Norman location. And then also you can give by phone by texting Multiply Lake Norman to 77977.
Multiply Church, how's it going? Hopefully, you're sitting at home, you've got your cup of coffee, maybe you've got some hot tea, you're sitting down, the snow is falling. Listen, we're recording this thing on Saturday night, so there better be snow on the ground. Hopefully, uh, your house is warm and you're just hanging out with, with your family. But if you're like my family, and I, I'll go back and watch this later, your kids are either in the floor playing with toys, making a lot of noise, or one of them's running a lap around the house just wanting to play with everything or, or ready to get outside and get in the snow. But before we dive into today's message, can I just encourage you? Can I encourage you to, to give yourself some grace today? Enjoy the day home with your family. You don't have to get out. You don't have to go anywhere. I don't care how old you are. Maybe you're 6 or maybe you're 60. If there's snow on the ground, get out and play with it. Make a snowball. Throw it at something. Throw it at, at some bat, somebody. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says this, let tomorrow worry about itself. So wherever you find yourself, just let tomorrow worry about itself. Last week we kicked off our generation series, and we talked about building the fullness of the fire. And we dove a little deeper into Genesis chapter 12, and we talked about God's promises are for all generations, for Abraham, for Isaac, and for Jacob, and we recognize that it takes all the generations working together to receive all of the promises of God. And I use this metaphor of a fire, and there were three main components to the fire, starting with the coals. 
And if you remember the metaphor and the coals and the representation of the coals was the 55 plus community. And we said this last Sunday, that the church as a whole, not just multiply Lake Norman, but the global church needs that 55 plus community. We need their stories. We need their miles. We need their wisdom. We need their guidance. And then we talked about the second component to a fire, which was the fuel. And the fuel was anyone between the ages of 30 all the way up to 55. And we recognize that those individuals have some char to them. They've been through life experiences. But, but I, called, I called that group out and said, hey, it's your time to lead. It's your time to serve. It's your time to give. In reality, it's your time to do the heavy lifting. See, that 55-plus community, they've done the heavy lifting for years and years and years, and now it's time for that 30- to 55 community to step in and to do the heavy lifting, to model what heavy lifting looks like for the next generation. And then we talked about the new wood. And every church needs new wood. It's anyone under the age of 30. And the global church needs that energy inside the church. We need your excitement. We need your wonder. And we need your enthusiasm. We took a, a deeper dive in, into chapter 12. And, and we recognized that Abram was called to leave where he was by God. In fact, Abram was called to actually leave his comfort zone. Let me remind you of Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. If you remember, Abram was about 75 years old. He was very wealthy, very established. And God says this. He says, leave everything you know, leave your family, and leave your heritage. Leave your lineage. Leave everything that you would inherit. Leave your comfort zone. But why was he called to leave his comfort zone? It was so that he would receive the promise of God, and the promise picks up in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, now, we can stop there and go, hey, that sounds great for Abram, but, but what if I don't fall in his lineage? H how do I know that I'm a, a relative of Abram? If I'm not, does that mean that I don't get the promises of God? Because 23andMe doesn't go back that far. I don't know if I'm related to Abram. But we have to connect the dots through Scripture. Remember Galatians chapter 3, verse 29? And now that you belong to Christ... Now, now that you have a relationship with Christ, now that you recognize that Jesus is King and He's Lord, you are true children of Abraham. You are His heirs and God's promises to Abraham now belong to you. So, so now that you belong to Christ, now that you've stepped into a relationship with Jesus, the promises that were given to Abraham are now given to you. So we're picking up with the narrative and chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Abram's already left his comfort zone and he's on this journey. So Genesis chapter 13 picking up in verse 6. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between who? Abram's herders and Lot's herders. 
So see, when God calls us out of our comfort zones, oftentimes relationships can change and seasons can change. Think about it this way. We've all had different friend groups at different seasons in our life. Think all the way back to elementary school. Listen, when you were in elementary school, you had your best friend in the world. My daughter Piper, is, uh, she's kind of in pre-K right now, and her best friend in the world is Sasha. She talks about Sasha every single day. The girl actually wants to go to school, not to learn, but just to see Sasha. But remember when you left elementary school and you moved into middle school, your friend circle kind of changed. And then in high school, maybe it changed again, and, and in college, it changed again, and you stepped into adulthood, and, and it changed. I can remember back to elementary and middle school, and I remember my grandparents' neighborhood, and I remember Jacob Cato, I, rem- I remember Scott Bruick, I remember Le- Lamont Boykin, and I remember Jacob Dees, but the reality of it is, I haven't spoken to these individuals for over 20 plus years It doesn't mean that the relationship was bad. It doesn't mean that the relationship soured. It doesn't mean that something was wrong. It just meant that we grew apart. We grew in different directions. We can all think back. We all have a list of names. What about other times in your life that your your life changed or your circle changed? Maybe it was when you got married and your circle changed. Maybe it was when you had kids and your circle changed changed. Hey, teenagers, if you're watching, it's when you got your driver's license, your circle changed. Maybe you went off to college and your circle changed, or you moved to a new state and your circle changed. Now, if you're fortunate, you'll have an inner circle of, of best friends that, that you're best friends for life. In fact, while I was writing this message, Keith and Malia, if you're, if you're watching this, uh, can, can you believe that we've been friends for over 15 years and not like, oh, we're Facebook friends or we're Instagram friends or, or yeah, I follow that person on some form of social media or I've talked to them once in the past three years. No, like we're real friends. We're friends for life, mainly because I married into the family and you can't get rid of me now, but, but we're friends for life. And many of us will have a, a group of friends that, that are lifelong, but not every relationship is a lifelong relationship. And, and here's the secret. That's okay. Not every relationship is meant to be a lifelong relationship. Some of them are fluid, but just because they're fluid doesn't mean that they're surface level. And in fact, many of your fluid relationships will be deep and meaningful and they'll impact your life and they'll sh- set you on a trajectory to make you become a better follower of, of Jesus. But they're fluid relationships. As relationships change, we have to view them through the proper lens and the proper perspective. What we can't do is we can't freak out when relationships change. We can't think worst case scenarios. If you're like me, this is what you do as relationships start to change. I start to think, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with Zach? Did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Why are these relationships changing? I thought they were good foundational relationships. I thought that everything was okay. And for some reason, we're drifting apart. And I think something's wrong with me. Now, let me take it a step further. If something's not wrong with us, what do we start to do? We start pointing towards the other person. Well, there has to be something wrong with them. 
I can justify all of my actions. I can justify everything that I've said. I can justify the way I'm carrying my life. Maybe our relationships are, are driving apart in different directions because of them. There has to be something wrong with them. But maybe, maybe this is a vehicle by which God is bringing growth and expansion to both of your lives. What I've learned reading scripture and what I've learned through relationships is that strife can be a sign of growth, and growth from God is never bad. Think, think about it this way. It's like having teenagers at home, right? When they're 13, they want to move out all by themselves. By the time they're 15, you want them to move out all by themselves. But what happens, they get older and older, and when they're 18, 19 years old, they move out of the house, I'm, I'm a firm believer that teenage boys have to leave the house by 18, but teenage girls can be teenagers until they're 30, mainly because I have two daughters, and I, and I, don't, I don't want them to leave the house. There's something about having them there. I, I get it. I don't want them to leave. But, but I've recognized that we can't always live in the same place for the same amount of time. You recognize this over the holiday season. It's when you went to a relative's house. Or you had family members come to your house, and they were there for two, three, four, five, six, seven, some of them eight, nine days. And what did you realize? You realized that you loved your family more than anything in the world. You realized that, that you cherished the time that you had together. You loved the meals together. You loved waking up in, in the morning together. You loved watching movies at night together. You loved playing games. You, you loved watching football. You loved just spending time with family. But you quickly realized that you wanted them out of your house. That you couldn't live with them. That, that, that there wasn't enough space for you to all live there. And this isn't a bad thing. When we take a look at scripture, it's not like Abram was just kicking Lot out of the house. They were actually on good terms. But it was the system and the structure that couldn't maintain the growth. Abram looks at Lot and he says, hey, hey we, we, need to, we need to separate. And we need to split apart. And this is for both of us to keep growing. I, I've come to realize that, that generational blessing means releasing. And one thing that we can learn from Abram is how not to be a helicopter parent. I remember working in higher ed, and, and man, I worked at a school down in Florida, and every semester there were parents that would bring their 18, 19, 20, 22, 23-year-old kids to school, and they would just hover over them. Mom would make the bed, mom would fold the clothes, like dad was bringing everything in, and, and they weren't giving the kid any room to breathe. They weren't releasing their kid. And some of the weird parents, like they came to visit the school like every other day to make sure little Johnny was okay. They were hovering, they were helicopter parents, and the more that we hover, the less the individual can grow. See, one of the things that we can learn from Abram is to truly release our kids, but only when the time is right. See, it's easy to say out loud, but it's also easy coming from the guy who just said that his daughters can't leave the house until they're 30 years old. Like, clearly I have some learning to do. Clearly th this is a process that we have to walk through, but growth means you're still part of the family. Releasing means they're still part of the family. As we read scripture, we understand that Lot was still Abram's nephew. But he and his herdsmen, after they separated, could shepherd and continue to grow. Now, I, I'm sure 
I'm sure Lot was a bit nervous. I, I would even suspect that Abram was a bit nervous. Why? Because their strength in numbers, they felt safer together. What was going on in the narrative of the story? We have to continue to read Genesis chapter 13, verse 7. The Canaanites and Perzites were also living in the land. They were surrounded by enemies. And we have the tendency to think that we're always stronger together, and that's true. But together isn't always in the same spot. Think about it this way. We named this church Multiply Lake Norman intentionally. We're in the process of, of building a building. We've purchased eight and a half acres. Uh, man, we'll be in the building by next year. We're, we're excited about it. But, but what happens when we build the building and only so many people can fit in it? What happens when we run out of room? What, what happens when the land literally can't hold us anymore? When that eight and a half acres is full and it can't hold us, what are we going to do? We're going to follow Abram's lead, and we're going to bless, and we're going to release. And that's why our plan has always been to have other locations. That's why we're planting in Hickory. That's why we're talking about Huntersville and, and Statesville and, and Denver and Mount Airy. That's why we're going to Nicaragua in, in two weeks to plant more churches to expand. And wherever else God calls us, we'll continue to go. But think about it in your perspective. What about in your businesses? What about in your relationships? What about with your interaction with your team members, wherever you work? Is there a process and a system for growth? See, see, a process and a system for growth always starts with serving one another. A Abram's posture was always blessing and releasing. Blessing and releasing. But Abram also took a posture of generosity. Genesis chapter 13, verse 9, Abram is sitting down with Lot, and he says this. He says, the whole countryside is open to you. See, herdsmen fight over territory, while kinsmen realize the promises of God are bigger than any of us, and, and that there's enough blessing to go around. See, the 21st century church community is just fighting. And if we fight, then that's a sign that we've forgotten the mission of reaching the lost. See, many churches spend their lifetime fighting over the same territory. Well, we need to hurry and get to this town or, or this community before that other church does. Or, or hey, have you, seen, have you seen the growth projections down the street? We need to put a location there. Someone in our organization needs to plant a, a church there, opposed to pausing, looking up, and asking God, how can you expand our territory? See, Many churches never move beyond trading saved people, trading Christians back and forth as if we're playing some cosmic board game. The, the, the challenge is, the challenge is we have to look towards God and say, God, where are you expanding us? But, but, how can I bless? How can I release? And how can I live a generous life? Let me give you this in, in our context. The Lake Norman region has grown 25% in the past 10 years. God is expanding the territory of our region. 
And, and I asked myself this question as I was writing this sermon. How does God want to expand the territory of multiplied church to reach those families, to reach the lost, to reach the hurting, to reach the broken, to reach the marriages that are falling apart, to reach the kids that are thinking about committing suicide, to reach the drug addict, to, to reach the to reach the, the ninth grader, the tenth grader, the eleventh grader that, that's hooked on acid or hooked on drugs, to reach uh, to reach a community that community that is rampant with pornography, to reach a community that is running rampant with a suicide rate that is higher than the national average, to reach a community that's truly broken. What I've come to know is this, is that many of you watching this sermon call Multiply Church home, but you were once new to the area. You're kind of like a unicorn if you were born and raised in, in Lake Norman proper. Many of us have moved in from the outside, and, and maybe you saw an Instagram ad, or maybe you talked to someone at the gym, or maybe you saw someone in the grocery store at the gas station. Maybe you just saw a magnet. Maybe you got one of our flyers. But we were expanding. We were growing. And you stepped into this family. I want to continue reading Genesis chapter 13, verse 9. Take your choice of any section. Abram's talking to Lot. Abram says, take your choice of any section of the land that you want. And we'll separate. If you want to go to the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the land on the left. Now, now I have to be honest. That, that wouldn't have been how I handled the situation. I'd have said, hey, listen here, nephew. You're going to go right, and I'm going to go left. I, I've been doing this thing a little longer than you, so I probably need to decide. I, I, I'm a little more wise than you, so I'm going to decide for myself. But, but Abram realized the power of open-handed leadership. Again, what was his posture? His posture was releasing and blessing and generosity. And if you'll place yourself in that flow, then you can live in the blessing of God. See, all of us will either live one of three ways. We'll live, we'll live with close-handed leadership. We'll live with backhanded leadership. Or, or we'll live with open-handed leadership. See, close-handed leadership says, I'm selfish. Close-handed leadership says, this is mine. Close-handed leadership says, I've worked for this. I deserve this. I've given my life for this. I, I, I should have this. Backhanded leadership leads with bitterness. I've been hurt before. I don't want to be hurt again. I'm not going to fall for that again. I'm going to look out for me, myself, and I. But open-handed open-handed leadership cares more about the person on the other side and the expansion of the kingdom of God I'll leave you with these thoughts how are you going to live are you going to live with close-handed leadership are you going to live a close-handed life when we live a close-handed life it doesn't allow God to use our hands we live a close-handed life where we're always on the defense. 
When we live a closed-handed life, we can't ever receive anything from God. When we live a backhanded life, all we do is push people away. When we live a, a, a backhanded lifestyle, the, the people that love us the most get hurt the most. When we live a backhanded lifestyle, we'll, we'll never recognize what God is trying to give us. But when we live an open-handed lifestyle, when we live like Abram lived, not only can we give freely, but we can receive freely. We can allow God to place things in our hands that we can be stewards of. So as your family grows, can you release them when the time is right? As your business grows, can you release it when the time is right? As your ministry grows, can you release parts of your ministry as the time presents itself? What I've come to recognize is that this is all part of building a generational fire. So how will you live? Will you live close-handed, back-handed, or open-handed?